Good morning. How are you today? How'd you sleep last night? I heard a laughter. I heard a little bit of good. Isn't it great when you really have one of those good, restful nights of sleep, you know? But man, it is so hard when you have one of those really restless nights of sleep, and especially in those restless nights when you have weird dreams. You know, I hate weird dreams. Two weeks ago, I had the weirdest dream ever. I have no idea where this dream came from. The actor Ryan Gosling was in my dream, so ladies, should have been a pretty good dream, right? But in this dream, this dream was about a new movie that was coming out, and it was Lucky Charms the movie. They were taking this cereal and making it into a movie, and Ryan Gosling was playing the leprechaun. I'm not kidding. Is that not weird or not? And I don't even eat cereal. I don't know where this dream came from. But then it, it, then it got even more weird because suddenly, you know how people change in your dreams? So suddenly it wasn't Ryan Gosling anymore. It was. <laughs> Always after me, lucky charms. Um, the first part of that story was true. That part was not true. That would have been like a nightmare or something, right? I mean, happening. So a restless night though, man, when we have those restless nights, it kind of ends up spilling over into a sort of miserable day the next day, doesn't it? I mean, it really impacts us. We tend to kind of feel very grumpy and irritable when we have a restless night. We just, we don't have any energy and we, it feels like we're kind of in a fog and we just kind of tend to approach the day with this negative bent after a restless night asleep, don't we? And I think I'm going to suggest to you today that it's kind of the same way when we have a restless soul. A restless soul makes for miserable days, plural. We just have a lack of energy and enthusiasm for life. We tend to be kind of irritable, on edge, anxious, frustrated, and we just sort of approach life with this negative bent. So let me ask you a question as we start this morning. How rested is your soul at this season of your life? Now, you might not be real sure how to answer that question. And I mean, how do we measure it? And if our soul isn't getting enough rest, then what can we do about it? Does it it really matter, you know? Is this really really something that's that important, or is it just some kind of weird spiritual gobbledygook you're giving us this morning? Well, let me ask you a different question. How about this one? What would you say is the quality of your life right now? I mean, would you say that, man, my life is good. Things are good. Or maybe even my life is excellent at the moment. Or would it be more like, eh, it's okay. Or maybe for some, it's even my life stinks at the moment. It stinks. Well, whatever your answer, my guess is that you're measuring this quality of your life based on your current circumstances. I mean, things like your financial situation or how a significant relationship is going or how your career is going or or whether you've been able to check off some life goals that you have or if you've been dealing with uh, significant hardship in your life. But here's the thing. These are not an accurate measure of the quality of our lives. And the reason they're not is because our real life Our real life, it's not out here. Our real life is in here. 
Your real life is your inner life. My real life is my inner life. And our inner life is the one that's telling the real story of our lives. And I say that because that's the life that we are each living from. You see, there's, there's all kinds of stuff going on around us at any given time. Sometimes it's good stuff. Sometimes it's not so good stuff. But whatever is happening around us, whatever our circumstances, those things are not our real life. Our real life is the one that we're living from. The inner life that we're bringing into our circumstances that are surrounding us. Your real life is your inner life. So, are you, am I, living from a, a sense of joy and satisfaction, a, a place of peace and contentment, energy and enthusiasm? Are we living from a sense of being loved and a place of feeling safe? Or are you, am I, living from a place of just kind of turmoil and confusion, fear, anxiety, worry, frustration, dissatisfaction, perhaps even some anger and some resentment? Your real life, my real life, our inner life, that's our real life. That's our real life. Because that's the one that we're each living from. Now, I know that there's probably at least one yeah, but out there. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but Kim, my inner life, it would be much, much better if my outer life was different, right? And we, we tend to think that our outer circumstances determine our inner condition. When life is good out here, then all is well in here. And that can be true to some degree, you know, I got a new car, I got a promotion at work, you know, found the love of my life, new relationship. My inner self is really happy for a little while. But we're not talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, we're not talking about those little shifts in our circumstances that create those bursts of happiness in life for a moment in our inner life, you know. We're kind of talking about the big picture of things. We're talking about when it's just you. Look at these words from a really great theologian of our day, Brad Pitt. <laughs> now, this is from years back, an article in Rolling Stone. This is when everything was good with Angelina. And listen to what he says. It's fascinating. He says, man, I know all these things are supposed to seem important to us, the car, the condo, our version of success. He's talking about the outer life. And he says, I'm sitting in it, and I'm telling you, that's not it. I'm the guy who's got what? Everything. I know, but I'm telling you, once you've got everything, then what? You're just left with yourself. And listen to this. He says, it doesn't help you sleep any better, and you don't wake up any better because of it. And that's just not a not just a celebrity thing. I think we've all have known people that we look at and we're like, man, what's your deal? They're miserable and yet their life on the outside is great, but yet they're just kind of miserable people, unhappy people. That's because your real life is your inner life. And as much as we wish that we could make lasting changes to our inner life by simply changing the outer life, it simply doesn't work. And think about it, we tend to focus a lot of our attention and we pour most of our energy into ordering our outer lives, don't we? 
you know, making them better, making them more satisfying. What do I need to do out here so that in here I feel better? Is it that new purchase? Is it that romantic relationship, that new job, that next adventure? Whatever it is, it ends up being only this temporary fix, not a lasting change. Because you see, lasting internal change, it requires that we focus our attention and we pour our energy into our real life, our inner life, the one that is left after those short bursts of happiness, the one we're left with when it's just us, the life we're living from day in and day out. So I have another question for you now. I'm just full of questions today. Another one. What is it we really want? What do we really want? I'm talking about we as human beings. So if we were on Family Feud and Steve Harvey said, we've surveyed 100 people and the top three answers are on the board to this question, what do human beings really want? Ooh, there's a good one. I bet one of the top answers would be happiness. Happiness. Now, we all have our different ideas about how to, to make that happen, how to obtain that. But there's something in us, I think, that wants this elusive thing we call happiness. Jesus said something very, very interesting was when he was on this planet. And it was recorded by one of his disciples, John, in his gospel. And he says this. He said, a thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. And he's re he was speaking of Satan, the adversary, who would just as well, would rather have our lives destroyed. But Jesus says, I came to give life and life in all its fullness. Life in all its fullness. I think today that's what we mean when we say happiness. I think that's what we're longing for. What we really want in this life is the life that Jesus came to give us. And here's what we need to understand about that. This life in all its fullness, this, this thing we call happiness, what is it? It's an internal thing. It's a quality of life that has nothing to do with our outer circumstances. Fullness of life is about living from a place, a place of peace and joy, a, a place of satisfaction and contentment and energy and enthusiasm and strength and courage and confidence and love and safety. Living from that kind of inner life no matter what our external circumstances might be. You see, our creator knows what it is that we really want because he's the one who created us. He made us. He designed us. So our creator also knows what it is that we really need. And what we really need, it's not an out here kind of thing. It's an in here thing. I think Psalm 62 speaks to this need. It says, rest in God alone, my soul. Rest in God alone, my soul. My soul, your soul, my inner life, your inner life, it needs rest. Now, what kind of a picture comes to your mind? When you think of a soul or your inner life needing rest, I mean, is it some form of meditation, you know, some yoga, quietness, solitude, sitting alone by the water, in the mountains? And all those, those are good things, beneficial to our souls in this hectic and chaotic world we live in, for sure. But I think there's this other kind of rest 
that our souls desperately need. We started off talking about sleep, restless nights, restful nights, and so So, so th let's think about sleep for a minute. Our bodies need that kind of rest, the kind that comes from sleeping. We must sleep. It's, we cannot survive without sleep. And on the surface, sleep seems to be this kind of very passive and inactive thing, but it's not the case at all. My Fitbit every morning tells me differently when I look back at my sleep records, you know. Does anybody ever else do that every morning, checking your Fitbit for how you slept, like it has to tell you how you slept? Oh, apparently I got a good night's sleep. I don't know. But here's the thing. As we sleep, our brain is actively processing what's been happening while we were awake. I mean, here are a few things that it does. It clears out toxic molecules that build up during our waking hours. It creates new connections, makes some new associations and so forth, oftentimes leading to aha moments upon waking, and it re-energizes our body's cells. We feel good after a restful night of sleep, right? We have this clarity of mind, we have energy, and we just definitely have this better version of ourselves that we bring to our day. All because our brain was doing what? Actively processing the stuff that happened in our waking hours. Actively processing. And what I wanna to suggest today is that that's the kind of rest our souls need as well. Rest in God alone, my soul. Or how about process your life with God, my soul. Clear out the toxins in your inner life. Make new connections and gain new insights. Get some aha moments. Get re-energized in a whole new way. Now this kind of processing of our souls, it, it can't be done alone. We need the one who came to give us life to the full. Look at Jesus' words recorded in another one of his disciples' gospels, Matthew. In chapter 11, Jesus said this. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and you carry heavy burdens, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. He's talking about his, his teaching, uh, his way of life. Let me teach you because I am humble and I'm gentle at heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls. Now, it's always important that we, we understand the context of Scripture when we read it. And Jesus was actually talking about the religious system created by the religious leaders of that day. You see, the religious leaders, they had placed this heavy burden of rules that said people must adhere perfectly to these rules in order for God to be pleased with you. If you didn't adhere perfectly to these rules and these certain standards, God's not happy with you. He's not pleased. They painted this very harsh and demanding picture of God. And so Jesus came to show us that God's nothing like that at all. He was saying he didn't come to give us a bunch of rules to follow or standards to live up to. He didn't come demanding perfection from us. He comes simply helping us to understand who we are and how it is that he designed us to live, how we were created. His ways are simply about his living according to the way that he designed each one of us. He's not demanding something from us. He wants something for us. What does he want for us? Life to the full, the kind of life we were each created for. So when we come to Jesus, trusting that he, that he loves us, 
and that his ways really are the best way to live, it's then that we find this rest for our souls. And each time we come to him in that context, this relationship of faith and trust in him, knowing that we are loved, we can now learn how to process our lives with him and find this rest that our souls so desperately need. Now, let me tell you why this is so, so very important. You see, when we don't regularly process our lives with Christ, our creator, we then entangle ourselves with some unhealthy thoughts and some afflictive emotions. I read this recently in a book called Holy Noticing, and uh, it, when I read it, it just hit me between the eyes. I was like, whoa, that is me to a T. Tell me if this is you. We tend to do one of these things. We either replay and rehash things from the past that we cannot change, or we rehearse and ruminate over things in the future that we cannot control. Sound familiar to anybody? Let, let, let's just let it sink in. We replay and rehash things from the past that we cannot change, or we rehearse and ruminate over things in the future that we cannot control. Let's think of a situation. How many, how many times have you had a difficult work situation? And your way of processing it was just to continue thinking about what happened over and over and over again. And you just kept replaying and rehashing that conversation. And the more you thought about it, what happened? The angrier you got, the more upset you got as you replayed it. Or maybe you did this. You started creating scenarios in your head. You started imagining a whole different conversation with your boss that you're going to have. And you rehearse it and you ruminate over this conversation that you've made up over and over again to the point that you think about, here's what I'm going to say. And I imagine then this is what he or she is going to say back to me. And then this is what I'm going to say after that. And then I'm going to see how I'm, I'm just going to quit after that or I'm going to get fired. It's going to go one of those two ways. I'm not sure which one. But we just kind of, we make up this scenario. How many times conversations in our head that are never going to take place, but we just keep replaying them over and over. And then the tension and the angst, they just kind of keep building and building and building as we keep rehearsing the scenario over and over in our minds. It's as if this kind of processing is the default setting inside of us. And what it does is it causes us to get stuck in a loop of unhelpful and unhealthy thoughts and emotions. It's kind of like one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek Next Generation. Anybody? Anybody? Somebody came up to me after the first service and they're like, I love you. You love Star Trek too. I love Star Trek. We bonded in that moment. But in this episode, the Enterprise was caught up in this time loop and the crew keeps reliving the same day over and over again. And here's the really bad part. At the end of each day, the Enterprise, the ship, it blows up. It is destroyed. And so they just keep reliving this over and over and over again. Several of the crew members finally begin to have this serious case of deja vu. And they're like, wait a second, something seems a little familiar. And they realize they're reliving the same day over and over. And then it's data the android who breaks them free from the time loop in case you were concerned about that, what happened. <laughs> but that's what, exactly what can happen to us. We get stuck in an unhealthy loop of either rehashing the past that we can't change or ruminating over the future that we can't control, keeping us trapped in, in this loop of unhealthy thoughts and emotions that are literally self-destructive. They, they do not serve us well. They do us no good. 
But Jesus comes offering a far better way to process our lives. He says, come to me. Come to me. Process your life with me, and we will break free from the unhealthy and unhelpful cycles, and we'll find rest for your soul. So how do we, how do we get it exactly? I mean, how do we get this kind of rest for our souls? What does this processing your life thing actually look like? Well, it starts here. In Psalm 62, verse 1, it said, rest in God alone, my soul. And as you read down further in verse 8, it says this. tells us how. Pour out your hearts before him. God is our refuge. God is our refuge. In his presence is the safest place we can be. Now, I know that for some here today, that's a hard one to swallow, you know. God, the creator, has been presented to you as anything but someone you would feel safe with, you know, that you would see as your refuge. But it's the people who have presented God in negative ways, as harsh and demanding and someone to the fear. Those are the unsafe ones. That's who's unsafe. But the God who created you, he loves you immensely. His love for you is unconditional. His love for you is unfailing. And his love for you is a sacrificial love. He's demonstrated for all humanity that he's the safest person in the universe by allowing himself to be crucified on a cross. I mean, think about it. At no time did he force himself on anyone or use his power to stop what evil sought to do, to kill the most loving and beautiful person on the planet. He sacrificed himself so evil could be exposed for what it really is. So we could see, so we could know. Remember the tree of knowledge of good and evil? The knowledge of evil, we could know. We have the knowledge now that sin and evil seek to kill and destroy. All that is good. And that's why we're to run from it. Our creator, Christ Jesus, he is the safest person in the universe. And that's why he's our refuge. And that's why we can trust him completely. And that's why we're so safe in pouring out our hearts to him. Pouring out our hearts, it's about dumping and releasing and unloading all the thoughts and emotions that have gotten caught up in our loop of rehashing the past and rehearsing the future. Remember how we said that our brains are busy as we sleep, right? And one of the things it's doing, it's clearing out the toxic molecules that have built up. Well, pouring out our hearts, it's about clearing out the toxic negative thoughts and emotions, you know, it's not that our emotions are bad. Even if we're feeling things like anger and all, that's not bad. It's just what do we do with it? They become toxic to our souls when they're allowed to linger there. Processing begins with just clearing out the negative thoughts and emotions by simply pouring out our hearts to our refuge. You know, it's simply, God, I am so angry. And this is why I'm angry. Or God, I'm so confused right now. I'm so scared. God, I feel so alone. So alone. Pouring out our hearts. I know it's really tough for some of us. <clears throat> we do much better at just kind of bottling everything up, don't we? Just kind of keeping it stuffed down. But as I said, those negative emotions, they become toxic to our souls. And they most definitely spill out into our lives, often without us even realizing a damaging things in ways that we don't even realize. For other, others of us, we find it easy. I mean, we're pretty good at unloading this stuff with our friends, and that can help to a degree, 
The problem is that too often a friend doesn't know how to help us process what we're pouring out. And so they end up kind of fanning the flame and causing us to stay stuck in our emotional loop instead of processing our way out of it. I mean, they mean well, but it's things like, yeah, they stink. You deserve better. You know, and they just kind of keep us stuck in the loop. With Jesus, we're not only able to get unstuck, but we are also able to make some helpful new connections. Let's go back to our brain and sleep once again. I mean, it said part of its processing at night is it's, it's making these new connections and the, these new associations and sometimes causing us to even have aha moments in our waking hours. And that's exactly what Christ wants to help us do as we process our lives with him. Look at this verse in Psalm 139 at the beginning of the chapter. It says, Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. How come? He created me. That's why. You perceive every moment of my heart and soul, and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. I mean, no one knows us better than our creator. He even knows us better than we know ourselves. So it's only with him and through him that I can come to these new connections and make these new associations, these needed aha moments for my life. So to the, to the safest person in the universe who knows me so well, I can say what the psalmist says later on in Psalm 139. When he says this, he says, investigate me, God, know my heart, test me and know my troubled thoughts. See if there's any way in me that causes pain. You see, I, I need to understand what's going on inside of me. And chances are that the problem just isn't an out here kind of thing. Part of the problem is in here. And I need some help figuring it all out. Where my troubled thoughts are coming from. You know, the ways in me that are causing pain for me. Perhaps even pain for others and I'm not realizing it. So, so I ask Christ to help me. Help me see and understand what's inside of me. Lord, why, why am I feeling this way? God, why am I reacting to this situation the way I'm reacting? Why, am I, why, why does it feel so strong, these reactions I'm having? What, what's it triggering in me, God? How am I perceiving this situation in a way that may not be accurate? How do you see it, Lord? What am I missing? It's a great pastor once said this. He says, you and I cannot become spiritually mature and healthy people. I think I would just say mature and healthy because to be spiritually mature is to be mature. To become mature and healthy people without an inner awareness and an inner working. It's about the inner life. He says it's only through interaction with the Spirit of God that we get the real answers and the real solutions for our real lives. That was Randy about three weeks ago in my office when we were discussing this message. And it was so good. I was like, wait, say that again. Let me write that down. It was so good. It's only through interaction with the Spirit of God that we get the real answers and the real solutions for our real lives. Because our real life is our inner life. When you and I are open to receiving truth about ourselves, what's really inside of us, then we start to gain these new insights. We get a new perspective that is much more accurate than our limited perspective. We're able to see things the way God sees them. And seeing things differently, it leads us to start thinking 
differently as well then. Even though nothing has changed out here, we're changing in here. And we're changing in this way. As Romans 12, 2 says, we are changed within by a new way of thinking. A new connection has been made in our brain. A new way of thinking. New insights, new perspective, a new way of thinking. All through processing our lives with God. So with these toxic emotions cleared away and new connections made and how we see and how we think, we're ready now for a new approach a new way of dealing with the circumstances of our lives. And Psalm 25 says it this way. It's said many times throughout Scripture, but here's how Psalm 25 says it. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me. Teach me, God, for you are the God who saves me. You see, we discover the right path, the new way. We are led by his truth through his word. The scriptures, so these things go hand in hand together. We say all the time, it's so important that we're in God's word every day. On the back of your program every day is the spiritual workout of the day. Helps you follow along. We can follow along together at church through God's word each day. But it's the written revelation of himself and of life, the truth about himself and the truth about life, that then we can gain these new understandings, this new approach, this new way, and be led by his truth. Show me your way of handling all this and save me, O oh God, from my darkened thinking. Rescue me from the toxic emotional loop of replaying things I cannot change and ruminating on things I can't control. Show me your way, God. Give me a new approach. God will show us a new way whenever we ask, but he will do even more than that, so much more than that. He will give us something else that you and I really need. In Philippians 4, 13, it says, I can do all things. I can do this new way, this new approach, this new uh, thing in my life through Christ because he gives me what? Strength. Strength, and I need strength. Through, my uh, through processing my life with Christ, I come, now not only, um, I come out not only with these free from the toxic emotions, and with this new mind and this new approach to my situation, I come away stronger than ever. Stronger than ever. My soul, my inner life, it is now re-energized with this new strength from Christ, my, my creator. A strength that's going to help me deal with my outer circumstances in a whole new way. Just this past Wednesday, uh, someone in my growth group was sharing something that had happened to her on her last way, day of work at an organization where she was working. It was her last day. And this thing happened that just really upset her. And uh, so when she sat down uh, to dinner with her husband that evening, she was just seriously pouring out her heart to her husband. You know, She was unloading and trying to process what had happened and how it was she was feeling, how offended and, and upset she was. And he listened as he ate, and over the dinner table, she just talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. And when she was all done, he simply stopped, and he looked at her, and he said, why do you care? It's your last day. And she was like, yeah, he's so right. All this, you know, emotion, and, and he's right. It's my last day. What do I care? What's it matter? It's over and done. But... Time went on that evening, and she was stuck in that loop, man. She could not let it go. And this is what I love, what she said to the group. She said, so I need to go have a meeting with Jesus. 
I need to go upstairs and have a meeting with Jesus. Even though her husband was right and he was supportive, she really needed to process the whole thing with her creator, the one who knows her better than she knows herself. And I I was just so excited when she told this story because she had no idea about this message that was coming today. But I'm like, oh my gosh, here's a person who's actually living this right now, processing your life with Jesus. I need to go have a meeting with Jesus. And here's the really cool thing is I see the difference in her. She is without a doubt a woman who is living from the full life that Jesus came to offer. Our real life is our inner life. It's the life we're each living from. And Jesus offers us life to the full, an inner life where we feel safe and loved, where we are full of joy and satisfaction and peace and contentment, energy and enthusiasm. And it's a life that is not dependent on our circumstances, but it is dependent on regularly processing our lives with God. And that means pouring out our hearts to him on a regular basis, inviting him to investigate our hearts, our thinking, our reactions, our fears, our motives, and then to give us a new perspective, a new way of seeing it, a new way of thinking about it, and then leaning into that supernatural strength that comes through processing our lives with him. So we started out this message with a question. We asked the question, What is the quality of your life? But I think as we come to the end now, there's this new question that we need to leave here with. And the new question is this. What do you want it to be? What do you want it to be? It doesn't really matter what it is now, what you came in with, with the quality of your life currently. It's what do you want it to be and what are you willing to do about it? Let's pray. Lord God, how we thank you How we thank you that your desire is to give us a full life, life in all its fullness, an inner life where we are living from a place of safety and feeling loved and energy and enthusiasm and all those wonderful things. And God, it's clear all we need is to spend time with you, meeting with you, processing our lives with you. So God, with the information we've received today, help us to live it out. Help us to be ones who come to you now and we find rest for our souls in you and through you. And we pray this in Jesus' name.